Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen here with Life Coach Cindy Chavez. Today is Wednesday, January the 8th, 2020. It is 4 p.m. New York time and wherever you are in the world, thank you for joining us for another episode. So, Cindy, hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, it's uh, it's great to be in 2020, um, which I'm calling the Year of Clarity, and I'm discovering all the different ways that I am discovering clarity. We're only eight days in, and already I found a whole bunch of them. I mean, we're, we're right? good, you know? Excellent. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as usual, most of them are, um, shall we call them two-by-four lessons? <laughs> oh! <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm working on it. But, uh, hey, I'm learning from it. That's the main thing. I'm learning a lot of good stuff. Um, today, just before the podcast, I, I won't try to explain exactly what I learned because most people won't get the technical side of it. But basically... I learned that the, the approach I was taking to programming wasn't going to work, very simply, oh. in a nutshell, which is a very good thing to discover before you get very far. <laughs> you know? This is true. So that's the way I'm looking at it. Like, okay, I now understand why I was running into so many problems. I now understand why I was in this place of you know one thing after another, frustrating the heck out of me. Now I have a clearer path. So clarity actually, I mean, it was a two by four, but clarity actually helped. Well, you know, I kind of think of things in that way. I remind myself that it's part of the process. It is. Especially, and especially with uh, learning curves that have to do with anything with the computer, with, you know, anything that's computer, writing code, whatever. Because even just learning new software sometimes, it's like, oh, you know, especially when you know the old program so well, you yep. can do it in your sleep and then you get a new one, everything's different. And so... At one point, I used to get so frustrated about it, and I and I thought, you know what, I have to make this okay. I have to like decide mm -hmm. that all of the, you know, I'm making air quotes, right? But setbacks, all the setbacks, I just have to make that okay. I just have to say that's part of the process. It always happens. It always will. It's okay. It's not something going wrong, right? And everything seems like it's a lot easier after that. It, well, it does. You're right. And yeah. uh, kind of as a corollary to what you're talking about, um, I mean, I just described it as a two-by-four. But yeah. really, it, it, I mean, we're not talking about any severe pain going on here. It's yeah. not like I have blood dripping from my head or something like that. You know? <laughs> right. it's, it's more like sitting back and saying, oh, I just wasted the last two weeks. Why did I do that? That's the kind of two-by-four we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. But it really wasn't a waste. And I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, yes. We, we make that proclamation, but then in the end, we realize, well, we really learned some important things. And, and you that's know, it. If nothing else, we develop more patience or whatever happened, right? I've been, what I've been doing, I love that you said 2020, the year of clarity, because I think I've recognized over the last few years that that might be the most important thing. Yes. Because, you know, when you're in sales, there's a saying that people talk about when you're in sales. You say the confused mind always says no. Right. So it's like when you're pitching something to someone and you're giving them all these details and like they're confused because they're, you know, not an expert like you are. And you're giving them all this stuff and it's just way too much. They're probably not going to buy it from you because it's just confusing. So let it be easy and let it be simple. But I think that that's a great idea for all of life. Mm. It's like when we have confusion on any level, everything's harder. And so getting clear about what we want right? Getting clear about anything. So I love the year of clarity. I love that. 
I do too. Yeah. It's always I'm, easier when we're clear about it. I mean, it has the obvious corollary to 2020 vision. That's what, where I got right, the idea exactly. from. Right, exactly. Yeah. But uh, it, it is clarity. And in fact, you're right. The last two weeks, one way to look at it is the two by four. The other way to look at it is tremendous <laughs> clarity. I mean, I achieved a lot of clarity today about 10 minutes before I took a break and then came back to do the show. I mean, that's how recent I received the clarity. Excellent. <laughs> and Abraham, Abraham Hicks, they have their 22-point emotional guidance scale that you can use to figure out, well, where you are with your own emotional state and where's the next uh, level to get up to and so forth. If you look at the top level, the top level has five or six different descriptors, one of which is clarity. Oh, wow. Clarity okay. is a very, very high vibrational state. It's equivalent to joy and happiness. That. Yeah, it's right at the top. So yeah. clarity is a good thing. Clarity is a very, I, very good thing. I talked to somebody this week who was wanting to hire me as a coach. And in the discussion, I asked this question. I said, okay, one of my packages is just three sessions with me. So let's just, mm -hmm. I'm going to, we're just going to hypothetically say, you've just said yes to hiring me for three sessions. Sure. Okay. At the end of the third session, what would you like to have accomplished? And they said, oh, my gosh, I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> and I said, well, then I can't help you get there. Right. <laughs> right? You can't get there from here. And I, I use the analogy. It might be silly, but I said, you know, if you go into a restaurant and the and the server keeps coming over to take and you keep saying, I'm just I'm not sure. I have no idea. I don't know. Right. They may just keep giving you more time and they may like say, well, some people like this. Maybe you like that. But until you can say, this is what I want, they may end up just finally kicking you out, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you can't deliver unless, so you can't have what you want if you don't know what it is. And I think that is maybe the most important thing to understand about life, about law of attraction, <laughs> about all of it. So this is the year. <laughs> it is. It is the year. I feel it in my bones. I think it, I've said numerous times, and I continue to believe this, this is something that's going to be true for large numbers. I would number in the millions of people. I believe that 2020 is going to be a year where millions of people achieve levels of clarity way beyond anything they've ever done before. Yes. That's, that's what I'm, I believe. I'm, I'm holding that vision with you. Yeah, yes. I'm there. So. Anyway, we are three weeks away from having done our last episode on Neville Day, because Wednesday is Neville Day, almost to the point yeah. where I, I almost forgot where we were, so I'm glad. I know. Exactly. I know. Right? Um, <laughs> and and to, to make things even more complicated, uh, we'll be doing Neville for the next two weeks, and then after that, Louise and I are heading off to Florida, so we're going to That's miss right. some time. And then we'll come right. back and finish up some Neville again. So, I mean, it could be a while before we get to this relatively short book. That's <laughs> what I say. I know, but you know the way I always look at it. It's like go back and just review, like, yeah. if you want. Because this stuff is, we can read it over and over and over. There's something new every time. Mm. Uh, it's always got something there. So, I, I really, I've said this from the very beginning. If we just did one Neville book over and over, it would still have something <laughs> new every time. We it would. It the nature of the process and, and Neville, you know, and Neville. us, because we, yeah. uh, every time we look at it, it's a fresh look from a new yes. perspective of, of where we are at that point in time in our lives, which is different from the point of time 10 years ago or five years ago or three days ago. I mean, right. it's always a different perspective. There, there's a saying that you can't, what is it? It's like you never step in the same river twice. Mm, yes. Mm -hmm. 
it, that's like this. I mean, we're different. You know, the, the the words on the page might not change, but our understanding of it does. And Definitely. we're different people every time. So, yeah, go back and review <laughs> as you wait for the next one. But I'm excited. Um, I know I'm going to open space for you to do announcements. But when I look to see, because I did the same thing. I was like, wait, what chapter are we right. on? It's, yep. yeah, it seems it's been, you know, we haven't been together since last year. Yeah. So I looked it up. And the name of the chapter is The Game of Life, which got me really excited for another reason, and that is that one of my other favorite old-timey, like, new thought teachers is Florence Scovel Shen, and her big famous book was called The Game of Life and How to Play It. So when I saw that chapter title, I kind of went, wait, oh, yeah, (laughs) yay. So I think it's going to be exciting, but I know there's announcements to be made first, so well, let's do those. Um, first, do those. first and foremost, if you're not yet subscribing to the podcast, please do so. Most of you know how to do it, but for those who aren't quite sure where to go, the easiest thing is just go to LOAToday.net webpage, and at the top you'll see little instructions that you can do, usually in one or two clicks, um, how to subscribe, and, and it's really, really quick. And then from that point on, all of our shows come streaming right to your device as we publish them. Um, also, check us out on YouTube because... We live stream to YouTube as we are recording these podcasts, and so you can actually watch us. You can see what we look like while we're doing these shows. Um, just go to YouTube and do a search for LOA Today Podcast Videos. We'll pop right up. Click the subscribe button. Click the little bell so you get notified whenever we do a show, and just like that, you'll be able to follow along on YouTube. And we also have a group that I started up a year ago and then kind of restarted in November on Facebook called the Law of Attraction Pivot Pals. And Pivot Pals is about uh, coming into a very safe environment to share what Cindy and I call your vignette, your, your little thing that you're trying to imagine and, and bring into reality um, using the law of attraction. Um, basically, you share your vignette. Everybody else piles on and says, yeah, yeah, go, go, go. And then you go back every single day and you review your vignette because, Cindy, that, that's the thing that I am realizing we are most often lax at reviewing the thing that we're trying to attract to keep building the vibration up. Most of us, you know, like if we do like a 30-day affirmation or something like that, we stop after three days if we get that far. (laughs) Well, and I think another thing that happens is we create a vignette, and then at least I know this has happened to me, and I may be consistent with it for a few days, and then it's like something else, you know, shiny object. Oh, and I create another vignette, right? It's like, (laughs) and it's... It's difficult for me sometimes to create one and stay with it, Mm. like with that one until, you know, all these people that we read about in the Neville books that created their little scene and then imagined it every day, every day, and maybe every day in the day and then every night as they're falling asleep and then every day and every night and every day and every night. And we hear them say, we read their stories and they say three weeks later, right? Three weeks later, they didn't just do it for (laughs) two days and then forget about it. They kept going until the thing came about. And so, and I, I'm raising my hand. I'm guilty of not following through um, with holding the vision for something. It's really funny because I hold the vision for my clients for this podcast. And for some reason, those things, like, I, I'm very consistent about. Then I'll create something in my own mind. and <laughs> yeah. Well, it's easier. Time, but sometimes, you know, I'll think of something and won't follow through the times that I do follow through the things happen. And sometimes mm-hmm. in days. Oh yeah. It can happen right? really quickly. No doubt. So it's, it's a great thing to remember. Just be consistent. Consistency, consistency is huge. Yeah. And like you say, I mean, I think we were surprised in the last book, the law and the promise. That's the last one we reviewed 
of Neville's that there was actually a story where they only did it once. It's like, oh my god! <laughs> right. I think was that the story about the hat? Yeah, I remember that. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, she pretended that she was putting on a hat in the mirror. I think and admired it. It wasn't even there. Right. She just pretended and admired it, and then went off and then went to lunch, and there was a woman with the hat on. She complimented her, and then two days later, it arrived. Right. She said, I didn't really ever like this hat, but I thought you did, and so here, you have it. It's like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> so that's the exception. The rule is that every other story in Neville, his books are just chock full of stories. Every other story is where they keep reviewing it over and over again. So there's a lesson in there. Like, that's where you have the big power. Well, the thing that's interesting to me is that we have read quite a few stories and the majority, at least in my recollection, the majority of them that give a time, some of them don't. Right. right? But the ones that do, it was weeks. That's right. We had a bunch of stories in a row where the person said two weeks later or three weeks later. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I have a friend that she and her husband uh, remodel houses and they live in the houses while they're doing it. So they'll buy a house and completely turn it into a show place and then they'll sell it and move on to the next one. And they love doing it. But since they're living there while it's happening, oftentimes they're living with without a kitchen for a little while, right? Or the floor in a room will be torn up or whatever. And she always says, well, it's only going to take, you know, the floor will be in in two weeks. I can do anything for two weeks. Right. It's not forever. It's just for a couple of weeks. And I always think of this Neville thing. I'm like, if we really understood the power in consistency, doing some doing holding the vision for something for a few weeks wouldn't be a big deal. That's right. And so but so often it's 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 that we just quit. We do. (laughs) We give up so easily. Well, you you identified it really nicely. You talked about how it's so easy for you to hold a vision for your clients, or it's so easy for you to hold a vision for listeners when we're doing the podcast, but it's so much harder to do it for ourselves. And that's true. It is easier to hold it for somebody else. And I think it's because we don't have as much resistance built up. We don't have all that emotional angst associated with it. Absolutely. Yeah. I told a client the other day, I said, they said, well, I, I have trouble believing this. I said, well, I don't. I see it. So don't prove me wrong here. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I see it. it. So, yeah. Anyway, I'm excited to uh, to start this chapter. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Chapter five of Neville Goddard's Seed Time and Harvest, this little bitty book that's going to take us forever to get through, <laughs> but it's, it's fine. Uh, it's called The Game of Life. And like I said, that got me exciting. He starts with a quote from Shakespeare. I laughed when I read this earlier. I can easier teach 20 what were good to be done than be one of the 20 to follow my own teaching. Didn't we just say that? Guess what we were talking about? (laughs) I mean, come on. (laughs) This stuff is spooky how this happens. I know, I know. He says, with this confession, now this is Neville talking. This is what made me laugh. With this confession off my mind, I will now teach you how to play the game of life. So he's like, yeah, it's easier for me to teach you than for me to do it myself. Right. Okay. So. <laughs> a, little, a little window to Neville's soul going on there. Well, I was like, we can all breathe a little sigh of relief. Yeah, you know, right. Neville's telling us that it's easier to talk about it than actually do it. Yeah. So we can say, okay. Life is a game, and like all games, has its aims and its rules. In the little games that men can cop, such as cricket, tennis, baseball, football, and so on, the rules may be changed from time to time. After the changes are agreed upon, man must learn the new rules 
and play the game within the framework of the accepted rules. However, in the game of life, the rules cannot be changed or broken. Only within the framework of its universal and everlastingly fixed rules can the game of life be played. The game of life is played on the playing field of the mind. In playing a game, the first thing we ask is, what is its aim and purpose? And the second, what are the rules governing the game? In the game of life, our chief aim is towards increasing awareness, an awareness of things of greater significance. And our second aim is towards achieving our goals, realizing our desires. As to our desires, the rules reach only so far as to indicate the way in which we should go to realize them, but the desires themselves must be the individual's own concern. The rules governing the game of life are simple, but it takes a lifetime of practice to use them wisely. Here is one of the rules. And he quotes from Proverbs, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Thinking is usually believed to be a function entirely untrammeled and free without any rules to constrain it, but that is not true. Thinking moves by its own processes in a bounded territory with definite paths and patterns. Thinking follows the tracks laid down in one's own inner conversations. I want to stop there for a second and point out a couple things that stood out to me when I read this. Okay. The first one is that when he says thinking moves by its own processes in a bounded territory with definite paths and patterns. Um, we've all heard in the, over the last decade all of these things about brain science and neural connections and neural pathways. So I think it's interesting that Neville uses these words, in other words, the, that he says bounded and that he said paths. Mm-hmm. Because literally, by thinking the same thoughts over and over and doing the same things, we create neural pathways that make it easier. That's why we have muscle memory. That's why things that we practice get easier and easier. That's why you can hop in your car and drive over to your friend's house or to the store that you go to all the time and practically, you know, do it in your sleep. Probably not literally, but, you know, it's it's easy, right? You don't Mm -hmm. have to really think about it too much. And so Neville is talking about that right here with paths in the brain, with thoughts having definite paths and patterns. And then he says thinking follows the tracks laid down in one's own inner conversations. Um, There is a, a saying from one of the astrologers that I really love and Caroline W. Casey. She says, imagination lays the tracks for the reality train. <laughs> That's cute. And when I read that, I thought about that think that our thinking follows tracks laid down in one's own inner conversations. I said to somebody this week, um, you know, you've heard me say lately, like, I don't really have any beliefs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm training myself to not have any beliefs. I just say, I like to entertain certain possibilities. But I said to a client, if I do have one belief that I hold is that our story is what creates our experience. Yes. And I would think that that story is what Neville is talking about when he says our inner conversation, there's lots and bits and bits and pieces to our story, but we do this all the time. We, we label ourselves in certain ways Mm -hmm. 
with our likes and, oh, I don't like that. And, oh, I really like this. And I, I don't care for that. And, I, you know, with our preferences, we create like a story about ourselves that we say over and over. We talk about it so much. And if we've had any kind of trauma or any kind of circumstance that we've, you know, survived, we often tell that story over and over. And so it just starts replicating. And I think that's what Neville is really getting at when he says thinking follows the tracks laid down in one's own inner conversations. He says all of us can realize our objectives. Before, before wise... you go on, I want to add to that. Um, yes, yes, please do. Because what, what you said is perfect. I love it. Um, I, but it also occurred to me that there are a few ways you can look at that phrase. Thinking follows the tracks laid down in one's own inner conversations. Well, what are some of the tracks we lay down non-deliberately? They're the things that yeah. we habitually do over and over again every single day. So we watch the same television show over and over mm -hmm. and over again, and then yeah. we expect different results. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Right? You, you're yeah. laying down some pretty solid tracks there, and they aren't going to really change until you change where your tracks are going. So, right. you know, we really shouldn't be surprised about the truth well, of that. And we've talked about this before, people, that when we say things about ourselves, like some of them are so common when I say them, and I don't say these about myself, but they're so common if I say them, you'll just recognize other people or yourself saying them, right? It's like, I'm not good at names. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not good at math. Mm -hmm. I always remember a face. Right. These are things that <laughs> they're like cliche because we hear them or say them so much. And when we're constantly saying that, it starts to create a reality. It does. It. Yeah. I mean, you, you said that you really want to have no beliefs. Um, and I understand what you mean by that. But I also am reminded that a belief is a thought we've been thinking about for a long time. And, you know... <laughs> <laughs> the right. longer we think about it, the more it becomes a strong belief. So, you know, right? It's, it's like a thought we become married to. It does. Yeah. 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 So, so what you're, I, when, when you said, um, I don't want to have any beliefs, I think what you're really saying is I don't want to get stuck in the rut with any of these things that I've been thinking about yeah. over and over again. Right. Exactly. Um, and I, I love that, you know, that you brought out this about thinking following tracks laid down in our inner conversation, mm -hmm. that it's not just inner conversation, but it's it's our consistent actions as well. Yeah, they go together. Everything starts following those tracks. Mm -hmm. So Neville says all of us can realize our objectives by the wise use of mind and speech. All of us want to really... <laughs> Triple underline. Right? <laughs> I like that. All of us. Most of us are totally unaware of the mental activity which goes on within us. But to play the game of life successfully, we must become aware of our every mental activity. For this activity in the form of inner conversations is the cause of the outer phenomena of our life. Every idle word that man shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. He's quoting from the Christian Bible in Matthew. Then he says, the law of the word cannot be broken. A bone of him shall not be broken. Quoting another quote from the book of John. He goes on to say, the law of the word never overlooks an inner word, nor makes the smallest allowance for our ignorance of its power. It fashions life about us as we by our inner conversations, fashion life within ourselves. This is done to reveal to us our position on the playing field of life. There is no opponent in the game of life. 
There's only the goal. <laughs> we often, uh, I, you know, we've often talked about getting in our own way. Yes. Or, you know, people, have, there's a saying, it's like, I am my own worst enemy or, mm-hmm. or whatever. I think when Neville says there's no opponent in the game of life, you know, only the goal, we could also say it's like, it's just, it's all us. <laughs> it, it reminds me of a line that came from a relatively recent movie came out, I would say, late 90s, early 2000s. I can't remember exactly when it was. It was called The Legend of Bagger Vance. And it was the story of, oh, of, a, of a, a golfer a, a golfer and a caddy. Okay. The golfer had gone through uh, World War One and been traumatized and so forth. But he was also the local golf hero, and he was going to play in a match against Bobby Jones and Walter Hayden, the two best golfers of that generation. Uh-huh. And it's the story of basically how he, he rediscovers his swing. And has this caddy played by Will Smith who helps him rediscover his swing. Well, in the course of doing all that, uh, Will Smith's character says golf is a game that you cannot win. You can only play it. And I thought, that's brilliant. That is a brilliant way of expressing it. You cannot win the game. You can only play it. That's You could say that about life, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so true. So we want to play it well. That's right. Yeah. Neville says, not long ago, I was discussing this with a successful and philanthropic businessman, and he told me a thought-provoking story about himself. He said, you know, Neville, I first learned about goals in life when I was 14, and it was on the playing field at school. I was good at track and had a fine day, but there was one more race to run, and I had stiff competition in one other boy. I was determined to beat him. I beat him, it is true. But while I was keeping my eye on him, a third boy, who was considered no competition at all, won the race. <laughs> that experience taught me a lesson I've used throughout my life. When people ask me about my success, I must say that I believe it is because I've never made making money my goal. My goal is the wise, productive use of money. Neville says this man's inner conversations are based on the premise that he already has money. Mm. His constant inner question is the proper use of it. The inner conversations of the man struggling to get money only prove his lack of money. In his ignorance of the power of the word, he is building barriers in the way of the attainment of his goal. He has his eye on the competition rather than on the goal itself. And every one of us can say, yeah, we've done that. We know what yeah. that feeling is. That's a yeah. very, very familiar feeling. I think it is kin to how often we find ourselves focusing on the how yes, instead of on the goal. And especially where money's concerned. And I think that's just because the world we live in requires exchange requires money for almost everything so so often we make that the goal but the truth is who if you had a if you had a room full of cash and it couldn't be spent that's not really what you want that's right right you don't want you know a million dollars that's tied up somewhere and you can't use it you want what you think that money will buy you and for some people it's not even really tangible some people will say, oh, I really want to travel. I mean, that's that's one thing I really want to do. And extra money, that's where I want to put it. Mm-hmm. And I want to travel. 
Sure. Um, and so it doesn't really matter whether money comes in and I spend it on travel or, I don't know, I obtain the ability to travel some other way. That's not really important. For some people, it's not even anything tangible. It's like they want to feel secure. They would feel secure if they had mm -hmm. more money. They would feel safe. They would feel like they had more freedom. Those are all things that money can't really give us. It's true. In fact, you, you, <laughs> you elicited two thoughts um, as you were describing that. First, talking about how it isn't necessarily about acquiring money in order to travel because there are a number of different ways to travel. Um, my sister has a good friend who, by virtually any definition you can come up with, would be qualified as poor. She, she never has a ton of money. Mm -hmm. She travels every year. And she travels paid for by somebody else. And it's always a different person. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's amazing. I mean, yeah. she, she could do it practically on demand. If she wants to go someplace to do something, she, you know, the right person shows up to help fund the way so she can do it. Yeah. I was talking to somebody the other day about how often also we can hook goals that we say we have to money. Like, for instance, you know, the, the famous question that coaches ask sometimes is, you know, okay, let's say you won the lottery. Mm -hmm. And really all that means is let's say you don't have any worries about money. Everything's right. taken care of. What would you do? Mm -hmm. And some people say things like, oh, I would, I would start making art. I would write a book. Uh, I would take up acting. Yes. I would learn how to whatever. And it's like mm -hmm. none of that is prohibited by your lack of money. That's right. Right? It's like if you have a pencil and a piece of paper, you can start writing your book. You don't have to wait until you're wealthy to do it, you know? And so sometimes we, we hook everything to that sense exactly. when it doesn't really need to be. So and, I think. Not just money, to... by the way. We, we, we also do it with other oh, things. I mean, all kinds of things. Relationships yes. comes to mind, right? Yeah. You know, right. how many people say they want to have a, they're a special someone to have the relationship with? Right. You know, so you know, they, they want that special relationship. They don't have that special relationship, but they really want How can I find that one special person? Not realizing that you don't have to find that one special person in order to have good relationships. They, they, they're actually postponing having the relationship until they find a special someone. Yeah. Which That's is really so something. true. And it's a really good point. Like, thank you for making that point. Because, <laughs> because that's actually how you end up with the special person yes is you let go of the important you know i've been talking about this all week to people that i've been coaching about unhooking from the importance of something a little bit dial it back a little bit because all the things that we think are so important that we start hanging everything on like that it just creates so much resistance mm, yep. it's just like if we can learn how to just you know i literally have been this week doing this i've been sort of asking myself very quickly. I mean, it's become a process that happens very quickly. But anytime I recognize that something's like a has a bit of an emotional charge for me, or I feel stuck or anything like that, I take a look at what what I've got going on and just dial back the importance. Like in other words, like you said earlier, right? You said like a two by four moment, right? And then a few minutes later, you say, you know, it's not like it's not like I'm bleeding from the head. Right. right. So it's like a two by four moment. It's like a nine on a 10 scale. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is a three. <laughs> yeah, right? Right. <laughs> I've been doing that with myself all week. I'm like, anytime you find yourself really stuck or really upset or, or frustrated or anything, it's always because there's just too much importance put on whatever's happening. And That's to true. stand back and say, this is not really that important. 
Or even if it is, can I pretend it's not? Just, That's good. Just turn the dial down a little bit and you'll recognize it, it eases the, the tension involved from putting so much importance on something. I, the, one, All right. the one kind of thing I can think of that has the greatest tendency to put too much importance on it. And it, it's almost incalculable how much importance you can put on it because it seems like, well, you can't make it important enough. It's health. If you're sick, if you're dealing with some sort of a chronic condition, maybe you have a life-threatening condition or something like that, it's really hard to play that down. It's really hard to say, that's not the most important thing in my life. I will tell you something. I will show you Ooh. my wrist brace that I've been wearing because I've overworked my hand and I'm very grateful this week for being able to paint and write and knit and mm. do every other thing I do with my right hand. I am right-handed because I haven't been able to use it. Mm. Mm -hmm. And at first I was saying when I figured it out, when I realized what it is, oh, this is the Cuervain's stenotenovitis. But now I'm just saying I'm healing. Yeah. Right? My hand is healing. Not my hand is hurt. Not my hand is injured. Not my hand is out of commission. My hand is healing. Yeah. Because I'm wearing the brace. I'm putting ice on it. I'm doing all the things, right? I'm taking the mundane action. Right. I'm right. visualizing it. I'm picturing myself using my hand again perfectly with no pain. And they said I'd be in the wrist brace for six weeks. I've been in the wrist brace since Friday, and it's about 30 or 40% better. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Why? Because it's healing. Yes. I'm healing. That's the difference in the framing of it. Absolutely. Right? I'm healing. So you're talking about that there's almost nothing as important as our health. I mean, anyone who is experiencing any level of ill health or being unwell agrees, mm -hmm. right? Sure. Your health is everything. If you're if you've got a wonderful partner and all the money in the world, but you're sick in bed, it's just you know, right? So that's the frame, though, because we all go through times when you know there's disease, there's a situation where we're unwell, and it's to recognize that we're healing. I love the idea that every symptom is a healing gesture. And I've been telling myself that my body's propensity is to heal. If I cut myself, what happens in a day or two? It's healing up. I can see it. That's right. The wound is closing up. It's healing up. It's scabbing over. It's getting well. I'm getting well. Mm -hmm. My wrist is healing. So that's it, I think. I, I, I knew there was a good reason for me to bring up the health thing. Because on Monday, Louis D'Souza, who does the show with Astrid Kaufman and, he, and me, uh, informed us that he had had a skiing accident where he torn his calf muscle. Tuesday, Ow. I did the show with Alex, who was in a completely different place in the house because she'd thrown her back out. So the only way she could do the show was laying on the couch. Yesterday, today, my wife yesterday is telling me she has this massive headache. Today, she had tremendous levels of fatigue. I mean, and then now you're showing me with, with the wrist. I've had a thing going on with my the palm of my right hand where I do all my mousing for my computer programming. Yeah. You know, and it's all the same thing. They're all opportunities to reframe just the exact way you did. I love the way you described that. Yeah, we're, we're all healing this week. We are healing. There's a whole, we're all getting well. There's a whole bunch of healing going on. So good stuff. I love it. I love it. That's good.
All right. So I love this next uh, quote that Neville uses. The fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in ourselves, mm. that we are underlings from Julius Caesar, Act 1, Scene 2. He says, as the worlds were framed by the word of God, so we as imitators of God, as dear children, create the conditions and circumstances of our lives by our all-powerful human inner words. Without practice, the most profound knowledge of the game would produce no desired results. To him that knoweth to do good, that is, knoweth the rules, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. In other words, he will miss his mark and fail to realize his goal. I like this frame of life being a game um, for another reason, and that is that we're in the age of virtual reality. Oh, yes. Right? And video games Mm -hmm. and cheat codes, right? So Neville's (laughs) giving us the cheat codes right right. now. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) And I've, I've used this explanation with clients before, like, let's say um, you're playing a game and you don't have the codes and no one has showed you the run through of the video game. Mm-hmm. And you keep hitting this one part. It's just like the worst thing ever until someone tells you, oh, no, <laughs> that's actually really good. Keep going because you think you're in the wrong direction. That's actually right where you want to be. So I've been using that forever in my coaching and in my life It's like, deciding the rules of the game, deciding that when something happens, it's uncomfortable or seems like it's really bad. I've just decided it's the best thing possible. So it's really funny to have that conditioned response, right? Or chosen response. You hurt your hand on the mouse. You go, yes, awesome. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Chips the energy of everything. It does. Yeah. Yes. So, In the parable of the talents, the master's condemnation of the servant who neglected to use his gift is clear and unmistakable. And having discovered one of the rules of the game of life, we risk failure by ignoring it. The talent not used, like the limb not exercised, slumbers and finally atrophies. We must be doers of the word and not hearers only. Since thinking follows the tracks laid down in one's own inner conversations, Not only can we see where we're going on the playing field of life by observing our inner conversations, but also we can determine where we will go by controlling and directing our inner talking. What would you think and say and do were you already the one you want to be? Begin to think and say and do this inwardly. You are told that there is a rod in heaven that revealeth secrets. And you must always remember that heaven is within you. And to make it crystal clear who God is, where he is, and what his secrets are, Daniel continues, quote, Thy dream and thy visions of thy head are these. They reveal the tracks to which you are tied and point the direction in which you are going. This um, reminds me of many conversations that we have had, Walt, about identity. Right? About it's not... It's it's who we are being, mm. who we are being, that person that we want to be. Mm-hmm. Right? He says, what would you think and say and do? Were you already the one you want right. to be? Yes, yes. You're already the one that has that money in the bank. You're already the one that has written the bestseller. You're already one in a happy marriage. What would you think and say and do? Because that's where we want to go here. Yeah. He that's says, it. this is what, 
This is what one woman did to turn the tracks to which she had been unhappily tied <laughs> in the direction in which she wanted to go. For two years, she had kept herself estranged from the three people she loved most. She had had a quarrel with her daughter-in-law who ordered her from her home. For those two years, she had not seen or heard from her son, her daughter-in-law, or her grandson though she had sent her grandson numerous gifts in the meantime. Every time she thought of her family, which was daily, she carried on a mental conversation with her daughter-in-law, blaming her for the quarrel and accusing her of being selfish. Talk about laying the tracks. Right. And, you know, we do this, though, right? We have a bad conversation mm -hmm. with someone, and we just run it over in our head over and over. Oh, yeah, replay it. We've talked about revising it, right? Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's what's going to happen. Upon hearing a lecture of mine one night, it was this very lecture on the game of life and how to play it, she suddenly realized she was the cause of the prolonged silence and that she and she alone must do something about it. Recognizing that her goal was to have the former loving relationship, she set herself the task of completely changing her inner talking. That very night, in her imagination, she constructed two loving, tender letters written to her, one from her daughter-in-law and the other from her grandson. In her imagination, she read them over and over until she fell asleep in the joyful mood of having received the letters. She repeated this imaginary act each night for eight nights. On the morning of the ninth day, she received one envelope containing two letters, one from her daughter-in-law one from her grandson. They were loving, tender letters, inviting her to visit them, almost replicas of those she had constructed mentally. By using her imagination consciously and lovingly, she had turned the tracks to which she was tied in the direction she wanted to go towards a happy family reunion. A change of attitude is a change of position on the playing field of life. The game of life is not being played out there in what's called space and time. The real moves in the game of life take place within, on the playing field of the mind. And he quotes Lawrence Hausman to close up this chapter. Losing thy soul, thy soul again to find, rendering toward that goal thy separate mind. <laughs> Very interesting. Interesting a number of different ways. But uh, the one that is kind of grabbing my attention the most is, once again, it was a, this time it was like less, Less than two weeks was about an eight-day period, but it was eight a days. short well, I, period. The thing I started to think about was um, I've mailed some letters recently that took four or five days to get there. Yeah. I don't know how long the post took in the time he's speaking of, mm -hmm. but those letters were written to her probably a few days after, she, right? Because exactly. yes. she received them on the morning of the night so in the, in the age of email <laughs> that same thing happened what three or four days perhaps something like that right. yeah well i have i have done this before myself and i've talked about it on our podcast and i've coached clients to do it uh, people have reached out to me via email that have heard on the podcast and we've talked about it and that is if you have a conversation like this one or an estrangement situation where that happened because there was an argument there were words said chances are there is a part of that conversation, either part that the person said to you or part you said to them or both, that you can't get out of your mind, that mm. you're playing over and over. Yes. And I always say, you know, 
first, how does that make you feel? Oh, it makes me feel terrible. Like every time I think about those words, I just feel constricted. You know, I have a knot in my stomach. My shoulders are tight. I feel my heart aches. It's like, okay, what would you have rather the conversation been? Take those three sentences and change them into what you would like. And then imagine that that's what happened. Play that conversation over and over in your head. And I have seen real honest to goodness results in relationships from just that one method, just that one thing. It's an amazing thing. And it's amazing. Really what Neville is talking about here, he doesn't use the same terminology, but in Abraham Hicks terms, he's talking about releasing resistance. And when you release resistance, that's when things happen. So he's basically describing a very, fairly straightforward way to release resistance. Simply just start changing the story that you're telling. That's it. You know, always want to point out that when we are resistant, it's always uncomfortable. Resistance is not a comfortable place to be. Mm -hmm. But there is resistance in both directions. You know, in in there's a form of Buddhist meditation where we talk about releasing or being free of attachment and aversion. So attachment is yes, yes, I've got to have it this way. And aversion is no, 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 I don't want that to happen. (laughs) Right. But they're both resistant. They are. And so, you know, it's when we change the scenario in our mind, it just feels better. Like you said, we just release it. We release the resistance that comes with that uncomfortable situation. But we need to be consistent with it as well and keep doing it until the outward phenomena, like Neville says, actually changes. Now, there is another factor that can kind of trip us up, I guess you might say. Um, Alex and I were talking about it yesterday. The factor of being so out of practice to the thing that we really want that we have trouble expressing it. So, for instance, um, what was it we were talking about yesterday? I think we were talking about... uh, various uh, medical and mental conditions that uh, she's been diagnosed with and so forth. And so I, I asked her at one point to effectively turn it around and, and turn it into, okay, what condition would you like instead? And she drew a blank. She was yeah. so attuned to that way of thinking in terms yeah. of medical diagnoses and prognoses and so forth. Thinking about it in terms of what she wanted instead was just foreign language practically. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's where we're, we can really get stuck. Talk about resistance. That, that's so much resistance, we can't even remember what it is that we want. And get, that goes back to what you talked about at the beginning, knowing yeah. what you want. Well, it reminds me of the beginning of, it's been a year now, because it was January of 2019. The very first or second podcast of the year, um, I think we were still doing the early morning podcast. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I woke up one morning with a little bit of a sore throat. My ears hurt a little bit. Just, you know, that uh, I always just call it the coming down with something feeling. And it, <laughs> on a scale of one to 10, it was like a one, mm-hmm. but it was there. So immediately the track, talk about the the thought, the track my mind was laying down. I immediately said, oh no, I'm getting a sore throat. <laughs> I have to do the podcast in an hour. My throat, my voice is going to be messed up. Yep. Oh my gosh. Do I have a fever? I think I might have a fever. <laughs> I, it, uh, it, is my head hurting? I think my head hurts. It's like I was imagining all of this stuff. I know. I had, and I had, first I dialed it back. I was like, wait a minute. Like, you don't have any, you just have a little bit of a sore throat. And then I was like, okay, I'm focusing on what I don't want. What do I want? Uh, I, I want to feel better. Why? It was like so 
hard for my mind not to keep going, but my throat hurts, but I think I have chills. Yeah. And so I started writing this list. I want to feel better because I want to have a lot of energy. I want to feel good because I want to show up on the podcast happy with my voice in good shape. I, do, you know, I, I, I tried to stay away from saying I don't want, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want a sore throat. I don't want a headache and just start talking about why I wanted to feel good. And it was really hard to do for some reason. Mm. It was hard to do. And when I asked myself, why do you want to feel better? The first answer was because I don't want to feel sick because I don't want this cold. And that's not the right answer. Mm. The right answer is to look for what you want and why. And I did that for, I think it was like a week or 10 days. Like every morning I would wake up and it had started again. And it never got past a certain point. Never. Mm-hmm. It never bloomed into a full like head cold. Yeah. It was trying. <laughs> and it was easy to go down that track. Oh, that yeah. track was easy. It was really easy to start saying, oh, no, I feel a fever. I it's feel chills. I feel easy. a headache. Sure. I feel, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be in bed for a week. I'm going to miss out on this and that. It's like so easy to let the train go down that track. So it just, it takes some work because we're not used to it. Like you said, it takes practice. Yeah. It takes practice. That's all. I think it's actually one of the reasons why it's so important to spend time when we're well, when things are going pretty well, appreciating the things that are going well and identifying them and expressing them and, and saying the positive things, the things that feel good for the practice of saying them, because it gives us kind of like a vocabulary ammunition when things aren't going right. Like some, it's a go-to, you know? Right. And then if you can add that other piece in where recognizing it's a game and so you're just going to have a completely unreasonable response to something that seems wrong and just say, yes, excellent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you would never do that, right? But it's just the energy because you're not going down that groove that groove of being upset about whatever it is. And just... amazing things happen when we do that. I mean, yeah. truly amazing. I mentioned that Louis uh, hurt his calf muscle when he was skiing oh. and he's laid up, yeah. right? And so we did a show about that. But on his suggestion, now Louis is very, it's about as non-Christian as you and I are, okay? <laughs> so on his suggestion, we called it prayer and the law of attraction. Okay. And what he wanted to do was define what he thought the proper use of prayer was. And and what he was suggesting ultimately was everybody else thinking good thoughts for his healing. Yes. Right? So, but, but look what happened here. We have a guy who, like you and me, has this big resistance about all that religious stuff, who was now turning and pivoting around because he was feeling so good about it to take a concept <laughs> and turn it into what he wanted it to be. That's a complete shift of mental track that's laying new tracks that's it that's it well you know it's funny because i recognized at some point that you know what as far as i'm concerned it's all just the same stuff whether you want to call it meditation or a prayer or a spell or whatever which Mm -hmm. you know some people are going to get really out of sorts about that kind of talk i understand that um i am not casting spells right i'm saying prayers (laughs) Um, but there are those of us also who are like yeah, no, I don't want to say that I'm saying prayers. Because, <laughs> and it's it's all just energy. It's all just energy and intention. Mm-hmm. It's like you said. It's just sending good energy and good intentions. It's intentions for someone's healing, for someone's well-being, for someone's good fortune. That's all we're doing. However we 
feel most comfortable doing it. Yeah, that's good. By the way, I had to, I had to pass something along to you. Um, uh, you have whenever you send an email to somebody, your your signature at the bottom of the email says "Love and Magic Cindy," and I yes. mentioned that to Alex yesterday, and she absolutely loved that. So <laughs> I, I want you to know, and not only that, she has a similar signature. Her her signature is "Have a Magical Mystical Day." So you guys actually have a little commonality going on right there, but Got both it. both referring yeah. to the idea of magic, which is essentially the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's that's the way I think of it. It's just a form that, you know, it's kind of like music, right? Mm-hmm. Some people, do you like music? Oh, I love music. I love music. Music is my whole life. What kind of music? Country music. Oh, well, <laughs> I like classical music. So it's like this one over here. It's like, oh, I like jazz and rock and roll, you know, but yeah, it's just right. music, right? And we all like things in certain forms. We have mm-hmm. our preferences. We're different. So some of us pray, some of us meditate, some of us chant, some of us cast spells, and some of us do all of it. And, <laughs> <laughs> and some of us do podcasts about it. <laughs> right? Exactly. So it's just energy. It's just energy. It is energy. And that's good. I like the perspective there because it's a reminder that all of these things that we're doing are not only forms of energy, they are expressions of energy. And as such, when we think of them that way, it becomes, I think, easier to shift them if we want to shift them. Just because yeah. now, oh, well, it's just energy I'm dealing with here. I don't have to you know, butt my head up against this major barrier anymore. I can just think of it in terms of shifting energy. And that's a whole lot easier than trying to butt that's against a it barrier. Is. It's just making choices and shifting energy. Yeah, yeah. We're just deciding what it is that we want and then shifting the energy so it's aligned with that. That's very so cool I like stuff. this. I like this chapter a whole lot. I like the idea of the game of life um, and that we don't have any opponents. That's true. Florence Scovelshin says there's no comp- there's no competition on the spiritual plane. And I always remember that. You know, sometimes in business, people get very competitive or they worry about their competition, sure. right? They might worry. Coaches might worry about other coaches that are doing this or that. Or podcasters might worry about what about the other podcasts? Yeah. You know, it's like competition. <laughs> There's no competition. There's no competition for us. There isn't. Boy, doesn't that make it a whole lot easier? I mean, when you don't have to go compete against something. Yeah, we don't. (laughs) In fact, uh, there was a time I used to think in terms of competing against myself. Now I've realized I don't really want to compete against myself. That's just another way of saying I'm wrong. I don't need that. <laughs> no, that's that's being your own worst enemy. Right? It really you is. Yes. It's like, no, there's no. You are not your own opponent. Even there's no opponent. There's just no opponent. Just play the game. You can't win it. You can only play it. You can only play it. That's right. You can only play it. So just let's just play it well. Let's just play it as well as we can. So thanks to Will Smith for sharing that bit of wisdom <laughs> in the movie. Uh, Vic Bagger Vance, Legend of Bagger Vance. Um, before we go, I want people to know how to reach out to Cindy Chavez, the fantastic life coach, because clearly she's got her magic together. How does she? How do you do it? Uh, I would love for you to reach out to me. Um, you can find me on my web. Uh, my web address is cindychavez.com. So C-I-N-D-I-E-C-H-A-V-E-Z.com. And there's a contact me form on my website, and that's usually how people get in touch with me. Um, and I'd love to hear from you. If you want to hire me as a coach, that'd be fantastic. But if you also just want to say, hey, I heard you on the podcast and, you know, just any kind of feedback you give us, we always love to hear from you. Uh, people have sent us suggestions mm-hmm. on what they liked and what they'd like to hear and, you know, all kinds of things. I just love to 
have you shout out and say hello. By the way, I also you made me think of something. I, I want to let um, some listeners know we've we've received some emails and and uh, messages via website and so forth from listeners pointing out that there have been times where our voices, not just yours and mine, but all the, the co-hosts, the voices tend to be either louder or softer, and sometimes it's hard to keep up, and they're changing volumes and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to let you guys all know, um, the Zoom platform actually gives us a couple different ways to record. Um, up until about two or three weeks ago, I was recording using the built-in online recording system. But there's a second way you can do it. You can also record locally to the computer. And when you do that, it actually splits the, the different uh, voices into separate channels. And so I finally, it, I finally put two and two together to get four. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm not using the pre-recorded versions, the pre-mixed version, I should say. I'm not using that anymore. Instead, I'm taking the individual channels and I'm rebalancing them. So I think people are going to find going forward that oh, the, the voices are much more even than they were before. And uh, plus, the other nice benefit of doing it this way is that when we go through Zoom, it turns everything into mono. So even the, the stereo music becomes mono. But when I remix it the way I'm going to remix it, now we get the stereo music again. So we get the, the stereo music once again. <laughs> Just a little added <laughs> benefit. That's important. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, we've already agreed that music is important. I mean, I remember yeah. that like a year ago where yeah. uh, we we're having some technical <laughs> issues and, and there was one point where you couldn't even hear the music and you were missing it because it was important to hear it when you're doing the show, right? Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, very important stuff. So, good. Okay, well, back to Neville again. I'm glad we're doing it. I'm glad we're going to have another week to uh, pick up on him next week, and hopefully we'll get Neville done by the end of the month. We'll see what happens. <laughs> That's the plan. <laughs> That's the know. plan. <laughs> in the meantime, we'll have lots and lots of fun. Thank you very much, Cindy. We really appreciate your perspectives and all this. It's very, very good. Oh, I love being here. Thank you to our podcast listeners as well, and we'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone.